Guess what? We're back! Yay! I'm KJ. And I'm Kadar. And this is Hot Air. The best show ever. The best show you will listen to today. <laughs> well, you know. Yeah. Probably. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and for many days to come. And, uh, um, it's Sunday, so yet again, Game of Thrones Day. Can't wait. Lots, lots to unpack there. Very I'm so excited. excited. Yeah. We're not going to unpack it on this show because not everyone listens to it, but... We will unpack it amongst ourselves, mm-hmm. um, but we're very excited for that. Also, brunch day. We had a great brunch. Yeah. Did we brunch yesterday, though? Uh, no, we did oh, not. Okay. We brunched today. <laughs> right. <laughs> not yesterday. Because um, today is brunch day. Also, grooming day, at least for me. Oh, yeah. No, it was it was like a mask morning. Yeah, it got our mask on, yeah. our Amazonian clay mask. That was pretty awesome. Yeah, washed my makeup brushes, so on and so forth. So, uh, days off to a great start. Yeah, we've been productive in taking care of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And now we just get to revel in the hot air community. Indeed. Um, so, what are we drinking? Well... I'm drinking a number of things now. Yeah, you are drinking more than one thing. I'm being experimental mm-hmm. in these streets. Yes. But uh, I'm initially starting with, you know, just kind of like the spiked seltzer type of drink. Except My, you're not drinking spiked seltzer. Yes, it is, it is something else entirely. But it's spiked and sparkling on, according to the label. Yes. Kadar decided we should experiment with a non-spiked seltzer, Mm -hmm. spiked seltzer. Mm -hmm. So, um, I'm drinking the real spiked seltzer. You're drinking like the Coke of spiked seltzer. Yes, which is just called spiked seltzer. I'm drinking the RC Cola of (laughs) spiked seltzer. Kadar found some brand called Truly that also creates spiked seltzer, but is not the spiked seltzer. Right. But you seem to be enjoying it. Well, you know, it's fine. And that's what matters. If someone can out there tell me what a pomelo is, it has a hint of that. Interesting. I don't know what that flavor is. Well, I did not like it. Yeah, maybe so that's the flavor I you don't like. endorse this truly. I continue to endorse Spike Seltzer for the people listening and who would like to go to Whole Foods and tell them I sent you. Yeah. They don't sell truly at Whole Foods. <laughs> no, they do not. Um, okay, so that's what we're drinking. And what should our word of the day be? Um, secondary. Cool. Like it. Secondary. Perfect. All right. So um, let's jump right in. We actually have a fairly long list of shots today. So My God. just jump in. Um, and I think it makes sense to pick up where we left off. Uh, last week we talked about Confederate, that terrible, horrible, no good, very bad oh, show that no one wants or asked for. And this week we follow up by saying Amazon has announced it has a show. Um... The showrunner for whom is uh, Aaron Magruder, I want to say, from The Boondocks, Mm -hmm. called Black America that reimagines what if, after the Civil War, blacks were granted three states Mm -hmm. as reparations. Mm -hmm. I believe the states are Mississippi, Louisiana, and Mm -hmm. Alabama. Mm -hmm. And turns out um, the blacks run these states very well. Yeah. They end up doing better than uh, the rest of the United States. There's some prosperity going There's on. There's lots of prosperity. And the show examines what that looks like. Yeah. 
Now, doesn't that sound like a show you might want to see? Yeah. Um, I think their uh, working title was The Best Show Ever okay. That All Blacks Will Watch. Okay. Working title, uh, a show that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but, yes, I believe right now the working title actually is Black America. And <laughs> I just have to say, I mean, look. It's so funny that this is um, a show about reparations because I feel like when black people think about reparations, all we're asking for out here is like maybe give each of us like an extra thou. You know what I'm saying? Like, throw us a thousand, make the tax uh, return a little bit stronger for some number of years in order to attempt to make up for uh, the genocide that was the slave trade in America. But now this show's reimagining, what if we just got a whole-ass chunk of the United States? And God damn it, I like it. <laughs> I like the way these folks are thinking out here. Well, the issue is, and maybe this is just betraying my ignorance, I feel like I haven't seen a lot of think pieces, a lot of philosophical thought experiments around reparations. I just hear the concept tossed around, but everybody just, you know, kind of stops short at we deserve something for being enslaved for hundreds of years. Mm -hmm. This is the first time that I'm seeing, at least in mainstream culture, somebody actually tackling it and, like, putting it out there for, like, the zeitgeist to respond. You right. know, being like, let's actually play this fiction yeah. out and, you know, just see where it takes us. Right. And that is what fan fiction should be. Right. You know, like, something that could actually give you some, you know, just, like, uh, perspective right. on the topic at the end of watching it. Well, and here's the thing. It's not as if, at least for me, it's not as if I feel like, oh, I wish blacks had our own place in America that was just ours, and we had to talk to nobody who wasn't black. I don't actually want that. I like the fact that my life is filled with diversity, filled with people who don't look like me, who aren't from my same background, who don't have my same sexual orientation, like... I like that, yeah, to my, be clear. My life is a result of diversity. Right, exactly. <laughs> I literally exist as a result of it. So it's not, I just want to be clear that I'm saying, oh, yes, everything would be so much better if we had, in the form of reparations, gotten our own states. But it is an interesting show concept. Yeah. Because the reality is, reparations, even though we treat them in America as if it's, like, absurd, it's not absurd. It's not absurd. No, not at all. <laughs> and so I am interested to see how this plays out in this show. I yeah. just think it's an interesting idea. I mean, again, maybe I'm just betraying my ignorance. I should go back and read about every single war that's ever happened. But I'm guessing more often than not, when one side wins, they take a whole bunch of shit from the side that loses. Mm -hmm. That's certainly what they do in Game of Thrones. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> They be taking your direwolves, <laughs> all your grain, right, all okay? the grain, the women, the men, the children, all of it. Yeah. So the fact that, you know, for, I mean, all intents and purposes, what we tried to do at the end of the Civil War was just not do that, like kind of put everything back together again, mm -hmm. um, is possibly one of the few times in history where reparations of any kind didn't exist right. or occur. Right. Now, please... Help me understand where I am missing things, all of you who know history better than I do. But I still think the fact remains that it's an interesting concept to explore. Well, and let's talk about Judd Apatow for a second because I saw that his ignorant dumbass tweeted. Um, because Ta-Nehisi Coates mm -hmm. wrote an article for The Atlantic, which I thought was very well written. As always. Um, basically saying we do not need to give the showrunners for Confederate the benefit of the doubt. 
Like, because obviously that's the argument a lot of people are making. Like, yes. oh, let's wait and see. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Another Maybe it'll be really time. good. We need to give them, right. quote unquote, the benefit of the doubt. And Coates lays out very, very articulately why we do not need to give them the benefit of the doubt. Name Mainly because they have made it very clear exactly what this show was about. It's yep. not as if we're just like you know, grasping in the dark, trying to figure out what is Confederate. No, no, they've made it clear what Confederate is. So we don't need to give them the benefit of the doubt because we are living this pain every day. So anyway, he he writes this whole article. Judd Apatow tweets it talking about um, censorship is never the answer. Not a single word has even been written, so we can't judge them. Let me just say real quick to Judd Apatow, First of all, you never cast black people in your shows or your movies, so forgive us if we don't actually (laughs) give a fuck about what you're saying, okay? Literally, you have made it very clear that we have no reason to think that your opinion about us and entertaining us matters, because you've made no attempt to do it, my dude. You're the one who got girls on there, and find me a black person (laughs) who watches girls. Actually, that's not true. Actually, no, fair number of black women who watch girls, but... Find me seven black... Find me 17 black women who watch girls, okay? You're not about us, and so we have no reason to care about you, sir, number one. But number two, had you read the goddamn article, Coates explains to you why we actually don't need to wait until an episode is aired. That's not the goddamn point. And number three, Mr. Apatow, censorship is not the same thing as criticism. We all are allowed to state now, later, in the future, 20 years from now, if we don't want to see a show. That's not the same thing as censorship, okay? We're not the government. Censorship would be us as the government forbidding these fools to write the show. No one's doing that, but we are well within our rights to say, if you air the show, we're not going to watch that shit, and we're going to tweet about how dumb that shit is. That's not censorship, my dude. So number one, read a goddamn book. Number two, cast some black people in your movies. And then number three, maybe we'll give a fuck about what you're saying, okay? Indeed. And to be clear, the only reason why we are even paying attention to this is because they did come out and say something. We're not, like, starting on the offensive here. We're like, wait a minute. You want to do what? You want to make a show about what? In 27 what? Um, Absolutely not. Like, I have to also watch the news and, like be able to go to sleep at night and, like, talk to my kids over breakfast in the morning. I I can't, I have neither the time nor the inclination to deal with slavery fan fiction in this. Had they come out with any other sort of statement about what this show was going to be about or come through later being like, hey, we're not going to show, you know, just like a whole bunch of black people getting tortured uh, the way you could probably imagine the, you know, like, proliferation of slavery throughout history would mm-hmm. allow for... Then maybe we would have something else to respond to, but all we have is slavery fan fiction. Yeah. And you're really not trying to get, you know, like, away from that. You just kind of trotted out, like, the two black people that, you know, like, also wanted a shot at writing a show on HBO. And that's, that is, that's all. That's all we've got. So what, what, like, what, what about that? means we're doing something wrong we who do not want to watch this right anyway i don't think there's anything left to say about that except we're gonna watch black america and we're not gonna watch confederate i the hope end. every episode of black america comes on exactly 
tw- like the hour after Confederate, it is billed like they like try to steal the um, scripts for Confederate and write the exact counter show to every episode <laughs> and you're just able to like see Confederate and then like Amazon's like, don't worry, we got you. <laughs> like, did you see that preview for Confederate? Don't worry. Right. Black America is going to be great right. this week. Right. And it's just like a constant response. I want them to follow that show every step of right. the way. Right. Anyway, moving on to better news. Beyonce. Yay. Always here to save us when we need her. So there is a currently unsubstantiated but very detailed and likely true rumor that Beyonce is releasing a documentary soon. It will be exclusive to Tidal. Shout out to us for telling y'all motherfuckers for the last year you need to get on Tidal. Yay. It's It's not not a secondary resource. It's beautiful. I don't know what to tell you. You should have been on it. Anyway, a documentary chronicling... Uh, approximate two year period leading up to and throughout the writing of Lemonade releasing Formation the backlash to Formation the various cheating rumors and her continuing to build her empire so not to mention potentially some amount of her pregnancy with uh, the twins with whom I share a birthday which will probably be mentioned so I just want to say to Beyonce, who may or may not be listening, um, we very much uh, would like to see this documentary. Yeah. We will watch it on title. Yeah. We will uh, subsequently purchase it uh, if need be. Yeah, there is um, like an amount of money that we're willing to just give you now. Yes, for if, it. If you would like us to pre-order it, we will do that. You got a Kickstarter? We can um, fund that shit. But just know that you right now are the only beacon of light in this dark, dreary world. So we yeah. need this documentary, Beyonce. Yeah, what we else need is it? even happening right now. Issa Rae's happening. That's pretty. Yes, we do have Illum- Lisa. Illuminating. Thankfully. Luminous. But just, Beyonce, just know, we need you in these, in these dark times. Yeah. The dark, the night is dark and the and, terror is long. <clears throat> no, mm. The long night awaits us. Yeah, well. <laughs> the tall, dark terror of towers. Everything is- you're saying is great. <laughs> it's not accurate. <laughs> okay. But I wouldn't call it secondary. The night is long and the terrors are dark. Great. Okay. Again, wonderful. <laughs> The point is, Beyonce, yes. we need you. <laughs> we need you. Yes. Um, okay. That's that. Yeah. What's next? Oh, God. Well, I guess we'll move on to some White House fuckery. There's always There is always enough White House fuckery to fill an episode, and it is only because we care about our mental health that we try to cut this shit short. Yeah. This week in fuckery, well, first of all, Scaramucci, mm-hmm. Scaramucci, the Mooch, Scaramucci. We don't like him. It has been fired. Did you know he went to Harvard? <laughs> Within eleven days yeah. of making it to the White House, after missing the birth of his own child, after his wife filing for divorce yeah. because he was supporting such a fucking idiot, he lost his job and his wife. He got fired. And can I just say, let's all raise a glass to that. All right. I mean, I feel like we didn't even really have time to find out how bad he was going to be. Mm-hmm. Like, they didn't even let us. Nope. 
that's who should have gotten a chance out here. Like, we should have had the chance, Judd Apatow, to, you know, just, like, let him do, and, like, not judge him at first glance. And, you know, like, give him a few months. Like, we really haven't heard what he had to say. He didn't have shit to say. But actually, no, I don't think that's true. He called Homeboy um, from The New Yorker and said everything that was on his mind. I actually think we know Skarmish for for how little time he was in office. I think we know him very well. Yeah. All we can really conclude is that he must have planned for years, like, here's here's how this is the perfect way to get fired. Like, Mm -hmm. I've been planning the perfect, just burn it down, exit from a job forever. I bet he goes to, like, Fiji now, and just, like, lives on a catamaran for the rest of his days. Because he was like, I've got to figure out how to burn down my entire life with a quickness. And, like, as visibly as... Nobody else can ever hire me again. This is how I get to Fiji. Well, it certainly seems like a complete disregard for his future, his yeah. life, his 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 family, his and baby. everything else. So, what a ball of flames and yeah. fuckery that was. I mean, in that regard, he is the most successful person I've ever come across. And I feel like I love all the tweets like, God damn it, I learned this man's name. <laughs> I didn't even have to. Like, I mean, truly, like, we all, those of us who care about and try to keep up with politics as exhausting as it is, you know, put some amount of effort into figuring out who the fuck is this man and what is he about. And we didn't need to. Yeah. Because 10 days later, it would be done. You didn't even have to learn how to pronounce it. Nope. Sure didn't. Ugh. All right. Speaking of just briefly not knowing how to pronounce someone's name or even what their name is, I um, returned to Serena's fiance. And he was on Jimmy Kimmel. Oh. And, uh... The clip of which made it clear that Jimmy Kimmel also agrees with me and does not understand why Serena is marrying this man. He must have said at least three or four good times, like, so Serena chose you. (laughs) Like, how um, lucky do you feel to be with Serena? Who is Serena? How does that make you feel that Serena, I mean, it just was like, I started to feel a little bit bad for this man, but also was like, nah, you right, my dude. Yeah. You right. What do you think his name is? Could be anything. John, Stan, Oliver. Do you think it's John Stan Oliver? Could be. Can it be John Stan Oliver now? Could be. I mean. We'll probably never look it up. It's good that he got an interview, though. Which probably only because happened because yeah, of Serena, yeah, yeah, yeah. who up until this point would want to see the founder of Reddit on Jimmy fucking Kimmel. Tomorrow on Jimmy Kimmel, the co-founder of Reddit, you turn the no. station immediately. We've got Cameron Diaz, Viola Davis, and this man whose name I can't remember. John Stan Oliver. Uh, it just doesn't make any sense. But, um, you know, good luck to him. Yeah. Anyway. His his family will be beautiful. Oh, do we even want to talk about the rest of this White House fuckery? Uh, well, you know, people, you get it, you get it all day, every day. Like, yeah. maybe it's, maybe it's up to us to give a reprieve, to just mm-hmm. make space for, you know, just like a, a, a quiet time. Yeah. A free time. Yeah. I like limiting our White House fuckery to one shot. All right. We'll, pa- we'll, we'll limit it to one. 
Yeah. So we've done our one. Great. So we'll skip that. There's more. I mean, you know there's more. Don't even. Just, yeah, go, you know, literally open any paper of record and you'll be filled to your heart's content with White House fuckery. Moving on. Still in politics. Okay. Um, So I don't know if you saw that article in some publication. I think it's called like This Week or The Week or something about how leftists, like super progressives, don't trust these centrist Democrats, namely Kamala, Cory Booker, and Deval Patrick. Hmm. Hmm. Now, why? Why don't they trust these three? That might as well just be another segment in our show. This weekend, hmm. <laughs> it is so odd that these three would be singled out. Shocking. I just wonder why the Bernie bros don't like black-ass Kamala, black-ass mm. Cory Booker, and black-ass Deval Patrick. What could it be? Yeah. And it's certainly that this hasn't come up before, you know, with that we have run into this issue of, you know, just general democratic unity in supporting, you know, a particular candidate based on, you know, the the base that seems to support them. What was so maddening about the article and many things about it were maddening and dumb was what they, they even tried to preempt this by saying like, oh, I have black friends. No, by saying, um, People will try and act like the reason progressives don't support them is because they're black and women. But that's not why. It's because they take too much corporate money or, you know, have sided with corporations for too long. Okay. First of all, everyone has taken corporate money. Even your beloved Bernie Sanders has taken corporate money. And do you know why? Because that's how you win in politics. Okay, so that's number one. We're not going to change the system until we're in power, and we're not going to be in power if we don't have enough money to win, and you're not going to get enough money to win by taking $5 checks, as Bernie Sanders himself proved. There you go. Who, by the way, lost to Hillary, and by the way, I voted for Bernie, let me remind the people, who, by the way, lost to Hillary by a large amount. Shit wasn't even close. Shit wasn't even close. So he can take all of his $5 checks and shove them up his ass, because at the end of the day, we have the system we have. So number one, corporate money, love it or hate it, is a part of our political system. It just is. Can we change it? Yes. Can we change it if we don't have the White House, the House of Representatives, or the Senate? No, we cannot, folks. That's not how it works. So, let's start there. But number two, you acting like the fact that these three front runners for president are black doesn't bother you? Sir, that's a farce. That is a farce of course. Of course it bothers you. Just like it bothered you that Hillary was a woman. So you know what? Miss me with this. It's just so obvious. It's just so clear. The one thing he had to say about Kamala Harris was, oh, she used to work in the justice system. And ever since Black Lives Matter movement, no one trusts the police. Okay. First of all, she wasn't she wasn't in the police. She was a prosecutor. Second of all, no one in the Black Lives mo- movement leadership 
has come out and said shit about Kamala. <laughs> okay, so you can't just be out here citing motherfuckers when they haven't said shit to it. So you're just grasping at straws here. You don't like this woman. You don't have any reason not to like her. And so now you're grasping at straws? Nah. Miss me. And by the way, I don't know why we're talking about 2020 and the presidency anyway. We all need to be focused on 2018. If we don't win the House or the Senate in 2018, when President Trump has a 30% approval rating, we have all fucked up. Yeah. So I don't know why we're talking about it anyway. Yeah, that is incredibly true. When is... Yeah. So in... Yeah, I... I have nothing to add to your spot-on assessment of what's going on here. I mean, like, what do they think, what do they think is going to happen the more that Cory Booker gains ground and power in this? Like, he's, he's the one who's going to make your life harder? Like, him, Kamala Harris, like, these people who have, like, the real battles to fight, not, like, whether, you know, like... I, I don't even know. You know, it's just like you're you're obviously missing the forest through the for the truth. Right. And and the thing is, Obama was fairly centrist compared to, you know, fucking Bernie. There's no denying that Obama was a better president than Trump. There's no denying that our country was better off under Obama than Trump. Did he give us all free college tuition? No. Did he dismantle all of the banks? No. Did he ensure single-payer health care? No. But it, has health care gotten better for literally everyone? Yes, it has. Has it gotten more affordable? Yes, it has. Overall, did he yeah. institute more regulation over Wall Street? Yes, he did. Yes, it was incremental. I get that there are a lot of things you don't want to be incremental on, but at the end of the day, this is still a democracy, and shit has to happen incrementally. That's just sort of how it happens. Ask fucking Donald Trump, who tried to pass his travel ban, owning the White House, the Senate, and the House, who tried to pass this terrible health care bill with control over the Senate and the House. Like, even with all that control... This shit doesn't happen overnight. The end. That's all. You refusing to acknowledge that is you being ignorant and dumb. Yeah. And just admitting to yourself that you're okay listening to people who just want your uh, ear and not necessarily, like, your mind. You know, like, we're talking about this because it made it into, you know, like, the zeitgeist. And it made it into the zeitgeist because it's insane. You know, like, it's just clickbait. It's what gets views. It's what, you know, gets attention. And clamoring for attention and actually having political discourse are different. And you cannot, like, fool yourself into believing in people who have an ulterior motive. You know, just to be popular. Who Who is this person? Like, and who would they have been had they not said this? You know, like, they would have just continued to be under the radar. You know, and I feel like just by saying some insane racist, you know, like, sexist shit, they now, you know, get us being like, I wonder who, what their name is. Mm-hmm. You know, like, whereas before, our lives would have gone on without ever knowing they existed. And I, and that translates into ad dollars, and that just translates into like a galvanized base that gets to you know like, uh, you know, uh, benefit from you know the fuckery that is you know the Trump supporters, and uh, on and on and on. There's yeah. a system. There's a system that benefits them from just being insane. I just think 
What really makes me mad about this is simply the fact that we don't have time to waste. We don't have time for nonsense. What we, and by we, I mean people who oppose Trump, which I think is all sensical people in America, have to do is understand there's a certain amount that we can get done now if we band together. We can't get everything done now. We can't we can't probably get free college tuition between now and the 2018 midterms or the 2020 election, okay? Probably that can't happen. But can we elect a majority of Democrats to the House and Senate to ensure that LGBT people still have their rights, that black people still have their rights, that immigrants still have their rights, that the minimum wage is still somewhat fucking livable. That maybe okay? the that, NAACP will rescind its travel ban for blacks to Missouri. Okay? Like, there are still things, very real, very urgent things that we can accomplish, but only if we fucking band together. And you creating this distractionist-ass bullshit yeah. just distracts us from the task at hand. And I simply don't have it for these folks. Yeah. Sorry, it's secondary, but we really need to win. Caught it. Yeah. So there have been, there have been, that's oh, the third one. Okay. Well, I, I missed the other ones, but I got that one. <laughs> but I, okay, I'm drinking now, though. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, all right. Um, okay. That so, ended up being more about politics. Than yeah. That's, there's a lot of politics. Um, now, speaking of politics, Brock did. Um, celebrate a birthday this week. Yay, happy birthday. 56. To the president forever in our minds and yeah. hearts. Um, all always right. Hashtag always. Back to the fuckery. Oh, wait. No, no, no. Let's talk about Harvard. Harvard is the fuckery. Oh. Oh. But it's good. It's good news followed by bad news. You uh, give the good news part. Well, the good news is that 20, what, what, whatever the class is, they yeah. just accepted. We yeah. don't know is going to be the first predominantly non-white class in the, you know, like, history of Harvard. Yes. Yay! That is good news. Yay! Because if you look at the global population, yeah. white people are not the majority. Like, when you look at everybody And Harvard lives, is a global school. Everyone who's alive right now yeah. isn't... <laughs> white people are not the majority of people in the world. Who and Harvard accepts people from all over the globe. So this only makes sense. And yes, cheers to Harvard for this. Yay! Proud of our alma mater. Alma mater. The fuckery is that while this is going on, Harvard is also being sued. Oh, um, right. okay. Because of uh, people who believe that affirmative action is harmful. Uh, and now, instead of just being harmful to the Beckys with the bad grades, um, this lawsuit claims it is harmful to Asian Americans who on average, if you just look at the stats, have higher test scores, um, more perfect SATs, more perfect numbers of, uh, or more numbers of perfect ACTs, higher GPAs, on and on and on and on. This is true. This is fact. They like, fine. Yes. And so what this lawsuit alleges is that affirmative action is um, keeping these clearly superior Asians from getting into Harvard. Mm. It's very, Mm. very sad. Yeah. Um, And a national emergency. That's kind of, I'm assuming, the whites to just come, come to bat for, you know, 
see, there's so much going on here to unpack. There's so many levels to this shit right here. <sighs> Where to begin? Where to begin? Let me start by saying this. We'll probably be unpacking this for weeks, honestly. Let me just start here. Perfect test scores tell you exactly one thing about a person. (laughs) That they are good at taking standardized tests. Yes. That is the exact and only thing you learn about someone who has a perfect test score. It does not tell you anything about their critical reasoning ability. It does not tell you anything about their social skills and how well they will maneuver through this world, which requires social skills. It doesn't tell you anything about their biases, their discriminatory habits, their uh, open-mindedness. It literally only tells you how good they are at taking a test. So let's explore that. How good would someone be at taking a test if it were ingrained in them from a very young age that they had to get a perfect score on a test, which is true in a lot of communities, true in a lot of Asian communities, true in a lot of white communities, true in a lot of wealthy communities. It is ingrained upon you that you will get a perfect score. True in a lot of Nigerian communities. Yes. So it was was true in my family. (laughs) Let's start there with that. But also if Harvard made a rule today that it would only accept people with perfect test scores, it could still fill its class 20 times over. And we hear that every single year. There are only 1600 spots in the class. Way more, 20,000 people a year minimum get perfect scores on these tests, yeah. okay? By so, design. By design. So, if they made that a rule, sir who uh, signed the lawsuit, I was learning about this, Asian sir who had the perfect scores and felt very upset about this, sir, you still wouldn't have a guaranteed spot at Harvard. Do you understand that? Do you understand that it still would come down to some subjective shit, that your scores would not be enough to get you in? So that's point number two. Point number one, you don't really know shit about shit just because you know how to take a test. Point number two, even if you know how to take a test, there's still 20,000 other mofos out there who do too. So it still will come (laughs) down to some subjective shit. And here's point number three, okay? Here's point number three. And this, I think, is the most important important point. What I think matters, maybe not most, in my mind most, but maybe not for everyone, isn't the absolute of where you ended up with your score or where you ended up with your GPA. It's how hard you work to get there. And there is no denying that someone who had half as many resources as you did but got to where you are had to work harder to do it. Am I right or am I right? I'm right. And so, the fact that Harvard goes out of its way to not just look at where people ended up, but look at where they fucking started, means Harvard is taking into account how hard people work to get where they are. And don't you fucking want that? Don't you want to be sitting in a class next to someone who worked their ass off to be there, even though they didn't necessarily have all the goddamn resources you did? Doesn't that make you better? Knowing that person is sure, certainly has made me better. So I just cannot. I simply cannot. It's so maddening. Yeah. This whole thing is so maddening. 
And by the way, y'all coming after affirmative action, but what about all these goddamn legacy kids who don't know shit about shit? Hello, Jared Kushner. Hello, Ivanka Trump. Y'all aren't smart, nor are you that talented, but you got to go to top tier schools because your daddy's paid for it. So what about that? Where's that in your, um, in your little, uh, lawsuit? Mm. What about these athletes? No shade to the athletes. I like a lot of y'all. But what about the athletes who are here playing uh, lacrosse, okay, who aren't as smart as some of their non-lacrosse playing friends? What about that? What about that? We going to talk about that? Oh, we not? Okay, we just going to talk about the blacks who are here? All right. So I see you. I see what it is. And you can fuck yourself. How about that? Oh, man. There's just so much wrong with... Well, it'll it'll just be, we'll see how it goes. I mean, we withstood Becky with the bad grades. We shall we shall continue to withstand. We shall overcome. It's all we ever fucking do is overcome the bullshit. Well, do you have anything else to say about that? I don't. <laughs> I I think you said it all. Yeah, I feel like I've said a lot. I have had a, I have a lot on my heart. It appears. Um, is there anything light maybe you'd like to talk about? Um, Mariah's pretty entertaining right now. <coughs> oh no! <coughs> ah! I like went to laugh and swallow at oh. the same time. It didn't work out for me. Yeah, Mariah is great right now. Yeah, it's it's fun. It's fun just watching her because like you've. I feel like I haven't really encountered a pop star yet who tries, like, less than Mariah right now. You know, like, 2017 Mariah yes. is, is kind of my encapsulation of just everything I feel about just, like, being being out in, like, the world right now. It's, yes. just, it's, it's just a perfect representation. Like, no, it's too hard to lift my leg through this choreography. <laughs> no, it's too hard for me to balance on my backup dancer's hands as they lift me into position seven. No, it's too hard to sing right now. Really, it's too hard to even whistle through right. Vision of Love this time around. You know, like, today, it's it's the Wednesday show. I think I'm just going to, you know, wait to see what you guys have, audience. Please go Google if you haven't seen it yet. What, what what should they type in? Just Mariah not trying. Yeah. Google Mariah not trying, and a performance or two or three will come up of her not singing, not dancing, more or less just existing on stage in a leotard yeah. while her dancers work very hard around her to make it seem as though she's putting on a show. Yeah. I mean... Solid, solid evidence to support that she's alive during these shows. Yes. Like, really, I mean, yeah, like seventy percent. Do learn she's alive. Yeah, you're like this is this is happening and is real. Yes. You know, like this is not like a tape of the moon landing. Right. It's not a holograph. Yeah. So that's good, right? That you know we can actually attribute this to you know hologram. The, mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. I don't know what the word is. You know, but yes. we can attribute this to the to the inner workings of, like, a, 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 like, a human mind, you know, like, and I think that that's another thing that we know for sure. Like, 
beyond a reasonable doubt, this is a human operating, you know, on these stages with mm-hmm. these backup dancers. There are enough <laughs> other humans around her to, like, support the idea that they're comfortable enough with her sense yeah. of living, you know, that it's, like, a human-to-human connection. So those two things being in place, yes. it then just becomes, like, a question of how much fun you get to have. Yes. You know, just watching this human, you know, act of her own volition. It really, what makes it so great is that, you know, in Mariah's mind, she's like, y'all are lucky that I am here doing anything. You are blessed to be in my presence right now. So if I want to lift my foot three inches off of this ground, when clearly it was supposed to be lifted all the way in the air, that's what I'm going to do. And y'all are going to clap and love it. Yes. And I can't really be mad at Mariah for that. Much as I want to, I can't. I really can't. I just feel like, sis, you earned it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm getting I'm getting a very strong, like, the, the way I'm loving watching Mariah now is the way that I love interacting with cats, I think. You know, like, just the way they don't give a fuck and, like, you just are there for mm-hmm. it. That's what I am with these YouTube clips yeah. right now. I, I think we should go try to see her show live and just, like, watch her not give a fuck about us. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd, I'd be into it. And then we could just dangle, I don't know, some, you It's know, true. Like, I think I would Mariah be entertained. Catnip. Yeah. I think I would be entertained by a live Mariah show, by, by the absurdity and ridiculousness of it. So maybe we'll do that. I bet there's, like... A laser of some sort that you could show Mariah, and she would just immediately just run for it. She'd just be like... Would she, though? I don't know if she'd run. <laughs> I can't see Mariah running for anything for any reason. It don't seem like that's who she is. She'd have an assistant take off her stilettos so that she could make her way to the laser pointer. Mm-hmm. Or the catnip. There's Mariah catnip in the world. Sure. Chardonnay, maybe. <laughs> um, or drugs. Really, she's yeah, just really she might, drugged out She right might now. be on some drugs. We don't know. We don't have full clarification and validation, but it, it would explain a lot. Such good drugs. It would explain That's probably why she's pissed. She's just like, do you know how many drugs I could be doing right now? Right. Like, how incoherent I could be mm-hmm. if I didn't have to perform for you fuckers? God. Yeah. Well, who knows? All right. I think that's a good place to end on. Yay! So should we do hot air? Yes. Do you want to go first? Because I don't know what mine is. Well, um, guys and girls and those who identify otherwise, don't join Sprint. Don't do it. You can't make calls. And the service is terrible. Title isn't that expensive. So, like, you don't need the free six-month subscription that they're giving you right now. Yeah, honestly, we made the switch. We were duped by the commercials, and now we've made it our lives mission to spread the good news yeah. that you should not do it. Yeah, I mean, don't do it. You can't make calls. Like <laughs> we were trapped somewhere and in need of emergency help. God help us. Yeah, that commercial that comes on now with uh, uh what's yeah, his name Verizon from Silicon family. Valley. Mm-hmm. See, that's the first thing that we should have known. As soon as the old Verizon dude switched to Sprint, they got a new Verizon dude who's famous and hilarious, like like much more hilarious mm-hmm. than old Verizon Can You Hear Me Now dude. Yeah. Who actually has a show and everything like that. And when his commercial comes on with that family stuck in the wilderness or, mm-hmm. you know, just like you can't make any calls. You can't make any calls. I'm like, that's that's my family. Yeah. Like, 
I can't, I can't be the one like that yeah. will happen to me. Yep. So at some point when we have some more money, we're going to switch right on back. Yeah. Today's not that day. But until then, I feel like we can't really leave the tri-state area. Right. Like we can't, we can't, you know, like go camping. No. Nope. Uh, well, not that we would, but yes. We, Theoretically, we could not. So Sprint is keeping us from things that we would not actually do, but really enjoy the like optionality of doing. It's limiting our optionality, and that's just the God's honest truth. Yeah, I agree. I can't. I can't call you sometimes. I I cannot accept calls or make calls many times. So it's yeah, agreed. Sprint is full of hot air, and we didn't even need to join because we already had title. Yeah, but that's not why we joined. We joined for the price savings. I know, but I mean, like, for the person who, like, they're trying to trick you again. Just, this title thing is a trick. Just get title. You don't need, Sprint, Sprint is the, is the thing you don't need. Yeah, just, yeah. All right, um, so that's that. Yeah. Um, I guess I'll try and do a breath of fresh air just because I feel like I've been, uh, pretty aggressive on this episode. And I think my breath of fresh air, interestingly enough, will be the city of New York. And here's why. I think that we've done a pretty good job of taking advantage of all the city has to offer this summer. And it has made me appreciate the city in a way that in the past I don't know that I have. And, you know, between movies in Bryant Park, comedy shows, Broadway... Uh, bike riding in Central Park, picnics, um, beach time, all the things that, you know, we've taken advantage of, just long strolls through Harlem, so on and so forth, rooftops. I, I, I will say this summer, New York has been a breath of fresh air. I've gotten to feel like I can both live and work here and also kind of vacay and get away here. And I think being able to have both in one place is nice. I'm still not saying, you know, I think New York is the place forever and ever. Amen. But I think at least for now, it has been a breath of fresh air. Yeah. So I will give it that. Yeah. You know, I really like our Whole Foods. Yeah. We, we, we got a Whole Foods in Harlem and it's pretty nice. Yeah. I like it. I feel like, these next, like, the rest of the summer is when we find out just, like, what really happens, you know, as, like, a result of having it in here. But even, which, it, the reason I bring it up is to say that I agree with you, and even as the neighborhood changes, it still seems like Harlem and New York as a whole, you know, continues to Im- impress, and we still find things that we enjoy mm-hmm. about it. Um, so I would, I would co-sign your breath of fresh air. Cool. All right. Well, that does it for us, folks. Whew. What an episode. What a week. And we will be back, um, if not next week, because we're traveling to see family, then the week after that. Yay. Enjoy Game of Thrones. See you later. Bye.